0: This podcast is dedicated in loving memory and tribute to Judy Roth, Ashley Berg, and Bennett White. We Ride Y Radio, a podcast about cycling health, music, art, and transformation. With your hosts,
1: Greg Roth
0: and Dave, the Rocket Richter.
1: All right, we have a great show for you today, but before we get into it, I'm going to kick it off with a track from Black Joe Lewis, and Rocket saw Black Joe Lewis at the tractor several months back before he went out on the road. Power to the people. Yeah, we're back it has been a while i'm greg and i'm rocket and this is we ride Y radio coming back after a long hiatus because my co-host has been racing all over the u.s and winning a bunch of shit (laughs) (laughs) and we're going to talk about that in a minute but um yeah, we're back. It's very difficult to do the podcast during race season. We're finding that out, right?
2: Yeah. It is. A lot of lot of a lot of on the road.
1: Oh, yeah. Just a lot going on and and that's where your focus needs to be on not only on your racing but your your main focus is on the club and, and, and the people that you coach. And there's been a lot going on, given the fact that COVID is not gone, but somewhat manageable. So all the races, all the events are back this year. And you've done some things that, uh, that you haven't even done in a while, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I did some uh, track racing in Indianapolis. And...
1: That's where I'm from. Not Indianapolis, yeah, yeah. but Indiana. Indiana. Oh, wow, man. Yeah. Home of Major Taylor.
2: That's right. That's where it is. The, uh, Breaking Major, away. Major Taylor Velodrome.
1: Yeah, man. Breaking away. The movie Breaking Away. Yeah. Bloomington, Little 500. Yeah, man. A lot of history of racing in Indiana, and your wife is from Indiana.
2: She is. Indianapolis.
1: Indianapolis. Well, hey, we're back, and so um, we're, we're going to be coming at you with more episodes in the fall and the winter, because we think that's a really good time. Um, people are hunkered down a little bit and and they want to we want to keep the fires burning It's kind of like the equivalent of hot stove league in baseball if you know what that is So we will have regular episodes and we're glad to be back because I man rocket. I had not seen you literally I think In months until recently.
2: Yeah, I've been doing a lot of driving in Yeah, big boy
1: <laughs> big boys getting a lot of action. How That's many right. miles you put on big boy?
2: Ooh, 50,000. What? 60, 000, How yeah.
1: many did you have on it when you got it zero? Fifty thousand, yeah. dude. And how much was? <laughs> you picked the worst year to ride Big Boy with gas. I mean, oh, this summer was that, bad. that was hard, yeah. huh?
2: Yeah.
1: yeah, it was. <laughs> and now race season's over almost, and you're and Big Boy's back home, and gas prices are down. Yeah, <laughs> go it's, okay. it,
2: it's still it's good to be home.
1: It is good to be home and uh, it's good to have you home, but yeah, it's crazy because you've been gone and so we weren't able to do the show, but you're back and you'll be back and we're gonna have some great episodes. And we've got a very special treat for you today. Who do we have on today, Rocket? We got on Veronica Ewers. Veronica Ewers, V, AKA Flying V, Tenacious V, whatever you wanna call her. And tell folks out there why having Veronica on today, is special versus when we had her on a year ago.
2: Well, we just want to kind of check in, see, check her progress, you know, see how things are going. And, uh, you know, well, we we last time she was on, she just signed with the World Tour.
1: Yeah, there, a so, few things have happened yeah, since.
2: so a thing called the Tour de France happened. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> and she crushed it. I mean, she took ninth overall, her first La Tour de France, yep. ninth overall. She finished four in stage four?
2: Yep. I mean and seventh in the last stage. Oh my gosh. Yeah,
1: I mean I don't even have
2: wow. Yeah, it was pretty big.
1: I can say that backwards. Wow (laughs) Um, yeah, we're gonna be talking to veronica today This is actually going to be two parts because we had an hour-long conversation with her and rocket's wife jennifer And it is an amazing conversation and you're gonna want to listen to both parts But before we get into that, I want to catch up with you and find out what you've been up to, because man, you've done some things yourself in the last several months. So give the audience a little bit a uh, timeline of what what's gone down the last few months, obviously with the club, but with you, because mm-hmm. you won a national track championship, correct? Right, right. Uh,
2: age group championship, which wow. is uh, masters. The first, first time I've done it. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was in Indianapolis, the Masters National Track Championship. Wow, man. And, uh, yeah, the weather was really hot. It's humid. Oh, Nine, well, yep. it was like, it was like 90 to a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. The track temperature, uh, I was with one of the officials when he took the track temperature is mm. 135 degrees. Wow. On the track, You
1: know, I grew up there, right? So I used to remember in the summertime, the humidity was just yeah, really bad. It was,
2: it was pretty humid. Yeah. And, uh. It was like a pizza oven on this velodrome yeah. though, because it's all concrete. Oh, so it just retains the heat.
1: Don't walk barefooted. But, but you know
2: it's funny? It's I do really well in the heat though. I, I like riding. You
1: do like the hot yeah. weather, man. I mean, some most people that I know hate it, but you embrace it.
2: Yeah, it, it was yeah. Uh, it was a good time. I mean, the the competition's great, even though it's it, you know it's age category. Yep. But there's a lot of, uh, you know, I was trying to look at the competition, and mm-hmm. there's not a lot of. People like me that have stuck with, you know, like there were professionals and they kept riding and, you know, um, there's a lot of people that I think that, you know, found cycling later in life and just got obsessed. Like me. Yeah. And, uh, and got really good at it, you know? So it's it's fun to, uh, kind of dissect the competition like that. Yeah. You know, take a look, a different look at it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's really, it's really cool that you still get out and race. Cause I know you love coaching and that's, that's, that's what really feeds you, but you still like to get out and it was yeah. refreshing. I must yeah. say, you know, it was yeah. kind
2: of, you know, I, I love having, you know, everybody around when I raced too, but it was actually kind of fun to do it alone. I guess I was able to focus more on, on, on winning it. Yeah, I, And I really felt like I'm going to win and you know, I did. I got the best all-around rider, Jeez. which was, was fun too. That's cool, man. Um, but it wasn't. It wasn't easy. You know, you. No. I really had to focus and and use a lot of juice um, to win. Yeah, you did.
1: Yeah, you did, man. I, and I think it's amazing where you can toggle back between being a coach and then an athlete. You're like you're a player coach. You're like Lenny Wilkins.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I I love it, every facet of
1: it. Yeah. Yeah, and then you get to learn things about yourself and then bring what you learn to right. your exactly students. Right, that's exactly right, yeah.
2: And you know, that's even always in the back of my mind when I'm trying to do something personally, it's really for the big picture, like I'm I'm, I'm making this template for everyone. Wow,
1: that's so great, dude. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, when I approach life, I look at it like I'm a, always a teacher and I'm always a student. I'm more of a student than I'm a teacher but then you you take what you've learned and then you pass it on and that's that's what makes it it really great and as I get older I I, I feel like oh, okay I actually have a, a little bit of wisdom to pass on from experience and you know being knocked down a few times and getting back up uh will humble you but then you learn what you learn from it and then you get to pass it on to somebody else and then they get to learn something from yeah,
2: it yeah yeah it was fun it is fresh i mean i haven't done i've done the least amount of of bike racing is track racing I've done in my career, you know. Wow! So it was uh, kind of fun to focus on the track and. Uh. Yeah,
1: is there any area of cycling you haven't raced in? Because I think you cover like you mountain yeah. trail gravel.
2: Maybe bike gymnastics.
1: Bike gymnastics. <laughs>
2: what, what do they call that? It, yeah, yeah. It's actually a UCI. Uh, oh, yeah. I, but actually, <laughs> I've probably done that on the BMX
1: bike. Yeah, I was going to say, you did, and then BMX, yeah. and then also um the cyclocross. Tra- yeah,
2: cyclocross, mountain, road, track. Wow. Yeah, yeah, just about everything. Wow, man. I guess that's it, yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it's funny because a lot of cyclists, they focus on, on road. Like, I focus on road. I used to do, like, trail riding. You mm-hmm. know, that's how I originally got on, yeah. into it. And then I said, well, I want to go longer and I want to go faster so I got a road bike and then 6 years later here I am. Yeah. <laughs> some,
2: of, some of my hardest rides yep. have been pulling Wolfie on the trailer on a group gravel. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> it get, well he's getting bigger so it's getting a little harder every every month I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's is. a growing boy. How is Wolfie? He's he's growing
2: great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's riding his own bike around but he's not fast enough to
1: Yeah. He really will ride. be. Yeah. He will be. He will. <laughs> he's another he he's like a you know another Jedi. Uh,
2: Yeah, he's getting his hours in already. (laughs) Oh yeah,
1: well you're making sure of that. Plus he's hanging around the club and and Jen and all that. Well, you know, it's good to have Jen on today because I hadn't seen Jen in a while because she's also been busy with the women's domestic elite team. And I know they had some challenges, they had a few injuries, but they're gearing up for next year.
2: It's been great. We got back from, right after I was done with the Indianapolis track, we went Mm -hmm. to US Pro Championships in Knoxville. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and Aaliyah had a great road ride. She's it's, great. Oh yeah, she was. Uh, she had a great one.
1: Because she had crashed last year, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. this year she she did not. No. So she learned some great. things, yes, right? right. Yeah. Like I said, you you fall down, you yeah. get up. Yeah, and, and you
2: know when you go away from the yeah. a race like that, uh, being you know hungrier. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. That says something. Yeah, I think she's gonna really want it next year.
1: That's great.
3: Say it 45, say what's on your mind Paying no attention when the people say La la la, la la la, la 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 la, Say it 45, say what's on your mind Paying no attention when the people say La 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 49 20 just because makes an even 69 tell it to the moon the earth the sun the stars and the sky Break the precipice go right ahead and testify and hey, if you want to you can have your breath on the lights that never shine. Uh, tell her like it is, take your time to find your lines. Shout it to the world, let them know that you're alive. And if you feel
0: it, so you'll realize that you can see. it.
1: It is great to have Jen on because she always contributes a lot. She's kind of a like our unofficial, you know, co-host uh, when she has time. Yeah, she's busy. Reporter. Yeah, our roving reporter, <laughs> you know, asking the tough questions. Yeah. Um, and but she's at Microsoft so that they, they keep her pretty busy and then the club keeps her busy. But mm-hmm. speaking of that, um, we have got uh, a great episode. Again, we mentioned Veronica Ewers and we have her on and she's in Europe. Um, so there's a time difference, but she's gracious enough to give us her time and she's taking a break cause she's really busy watching, you know, the office on Netflix, right? now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and get into that interview with Veronica Ewers, professional cyclist, former Fount Guild member, finished ninth in the first La Tour de France, Femme avec Zwift. Here is that interview right now.
2: Hi. V. Hey, Veronica.
1: Hey, hey, how are you doing, man? USC?
4: No, I'm watching Netflix. What are you watching? Uh, the Office.
1: Nice.
4: British Washington,
1: or U.S.? U.S. Right on. Duh. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it there?
4: Uh, 8.47 p.m.
1: Oh, not too late. Hey, V. Uh, It is so great to have you on the podcast again. Uh, different circumstances this time a year ago you were just starting your journey being on a (laughs) UCI World Tour team EF tipco and as most of the folks know that have followed you you had a great showing in La Tour de Femme avec Zwift and I was just blown away. I watched every stage. I followed you. I tried to figure out where you were, and then I figured out your bib number, 131. Once I figured out your bib number, then I could follow you. But, man, I had so much fun watching you race, and you had so much heart and soul and put, you put everything into it. And then you finished fourth in a stage, and then you finished seventh in the last stage, and you finished ninth overall. Was that something that you expected to finish in the top 10? Was that a goal of yours?
4: When going into it, it was kind of as a team, we wanted to go stage by stage and see how things wound up going into the last few stages. You know, it started flat and fast, which isn't necessarily my forte. Right. And, you know, there were the first few had some long straight flatter set sections Mm -hmm. that were, potentially notorious for crosswinds and that was pretty significant in stage two um, so we didn't want to go in hoping for a GC, top GC but going into the last few stages seeing that I wasn't too far off hmm. especially after stage four it was then kind of a goal to make that top 10 but going into the last stage being at the uh, I think 11th or 12th spot in the GC it was kind of like you know i'm gonna do my absolute best in whatever situation happens and uh it turned out (laughs) to uh be pretty awesome
1: yeah i'd say so what do you say rocket
2: (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's funny because i i gotta say it wasn't it wasn't not expected you know It's, it's something in the back of my mind that i thought i knew she could do so her doing it though that's that's the thing in cycling it's hard to do is to actually do what your potential is and uh I think she did it. It was great
1: mm. Jen
5: i was well I was gonna say i I think it would be kind of fun to go behind the behind the music as they call it on in,
1: on v h one but um oh yeah,
5: I was just at Seward Park last week and or maybe it was two weeks ago, I don't remember. But right at the beginning at Seward Park, like locally, Dave Douglas is like, let's take a moment and I just wanna congratulate Veronica Ewers, who's not here on her Tour to France. Don't know if you guys saw it, but it's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. And she's the first woman to win a stage at Seward and everyone's like, yeah. And you know, (laughs) and everybody always congratulates us and everything, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody, you're like a local hero, almost untouchable. But so I think it would be kind of fun to go beyond the talking points or like the cycling news interviews that we all yeah, work right. really hard on. You remember we used to we used
1: to <laughs> those together. Media class. Kind
5: of like make you a little more human and kind of talk through some of these experiences that you've had mm. at a world tour level, just to make it, you know what I mean, more touchable. I guess in that sense. Yeah. Yeah for sure. What do
2: you think about that, Veronica. <laughs> well, I think that's the fun part as an athlete too, is like I was just talking to Greg about this, like how people connect, you know, you could yeah. you could say I mean even Veronica is probably like she's gonna remember the Tour de France and she's also gonna remember winning six o'clock Seward. Yeah. Like
1: forever. Yeah. You know? Totally. <laughs>
4: That's honestly one of my proudest moments.
1: Uh, <laughs> it is. Oh, yeah. I, and
4: It's serious.
1: It's so cool. You know and was I was there. Like, I, I, I have photos. I, I have was video. too. I was screaming. <laughs> we all were. Well, I,
2: think,
5: I think what, you know, with Veronica, what makes her so different is she's not Dutch.
1: You know, she yeah. didn't go. Yeah. <laughs> Point. She didn't
5: grow up racing her bike. No. You know, she didn't race in college. She wasn't like, this was like, you started when you were 25, I guess. You're 27 yeah. September 1st, is it?
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. We were just talking about this this morning. You know, like when you talk about 10,000 hours, like she, mm-hmm. her, her new teammate Zoe's like at 16 or 17 or whatever, but she's already got it in. She's has right. going right. since she was six.
5: So you were working at Children's Hospital and, you know, seven to three job. Like, you know, you said you're watching The Office, but you were basically in The Office, you know? Yeah,
2: you were in um, The Office. <laughs>
5: yeah. And yeah. now, like, I was thinking about how, you know, us, like, uh, you have long meetings at work, and you're just kind of like, well, when am I going to get my ride in? And it's not that you don't have the time. It's like you almost don't have the mental energy to switch from, like, kid role to, like, partner role to, like, bike role. And, and like, you're in Europe right now, and you're like, Man, well, Mm -hmm. what am I gonna do with the rest of the twenty
1: (laughs) one? Watch the office, yeah.
5: You know, and so I guess you know what is what is a day in the life of Veronica like now? You know, versus before what I just kind of described.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because, I mean, in that world when I was working a full time job while also trying to be competitive with cycling, it was kind of like i chose a life that was just work and just cycling um and i had the opportunity and privilege of being able to do that and just focus on those two things but you know that's like some people people that aren't super uh passionate about athletics or one specific thing are like wow how do you do that like basically kind of I chose to not really have a life outside of work and cycling, but like that. There's was... still a lot like oh, work it's... is a lot. That's half your oh, day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah. yeah. And it's
2: not so much that you even chose. I think, I think it's just not a lot of room when you're that focused on something.
4: Right. Right. And that was like by choice too, um, that I wanted to be competitive at cycling, but also, you know, found especially with such like a community that it felt like, it was my social time also, apart from uh, work. But now it's, yeah, I try to figure out what I do with the rest of my day when I'm not what riding. Um,
5: what's your routine? Do you, like, get up and have an espresso, put on your beret, and eat a baguette? Or, like, <laughs> like tell me about your day. Do you, I mean, you're pretty, you are pretty. used to always be pretty schedule-based and regimented. And I just kind of wondered, do you like to ride in the morning? Like, what does yeah. what your typical day look like?
4: Yeah, I would say I try and get up uh, around the same time every day. I'm like having the whoop now has made me like really focus on sleep and like getting to bed at the right, the same ish time and getting up at the same ish time. Yeah. I'll get up, uh, have coffee and breakfast and then try and head out for my ride by 10 at the latest. What's your Uh, your
2: typical coffee? Is it drip? Is it pour over?
4: Unfortunately, here, um, where I'm living right now, it's only um espresso,
2: uh-huh. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <But>, um, <laughs> yeah, they don't really do drip here, which is something I miss at times. But whenever I go to a city or go find a coffee shop, usually they have like filter coffee is what they call it, yeah. or they pour over, and so I like treat myself to that because it's like much nicer. Okay. But, yeah, it's usually just the Nespresso right now. But, yeah, coffee, breakfast, chill a little bit, then get ready for my ride. Do that and then come back, shower, eat, hang out a bit. Um, depending on what my workout is, I'll, I'll either not have a whole lot of, well, not relatively that much time left in the day. Or I come back and I have been receiving a lot of New York Times emails about what to cook and so that inspires like things that I can have fun cooking or uh, where I'm living right now is um, a friend of Lauren Stevens house yeah. uh, and he's a swanier for Lotto Sadal so he's currently with the team when he's here usually uh, he and his partner Eileen will have uh, friends over for barbecue nights or his parents or his mom comes over or we go to her house and have dinner. And so um, that's really fun to be able to socialize in that way. Sometimes I'm really awkward because they all speak French and I just sit there and try and understand what they're talking <laughs> Yeah. Um, my French is very, very, very terrible. <laughs> um, I'm trying to learn it, but um, yeah, I rely too heavily on English. But
5: yeah, it's I've seen pretty easy in the sense of I heard I really I work out maybe three to four hours a day and then I go to like a French house and then I <laughs> sit around, maybe watch Netflix. But I think what's important is like, you know, in work, we all have lulls. We all have vacation, yeah. et cetera. Like you don't really get a lot of vacation. Like you need to ride your bike almost every day. And then the other thing is when stage race time comes. Can you tell us about a typical day, like for these last eight stages at Tour de France, what that looks like?
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's pretty hectic, and that is even more regimented. I mean, yeah, getting up, having breakfast, and then prepping to go to our race. And depending on, you know, usually we're transferring hotels every day. Um, so we have to get all of our bags ready in the morning for this one to pick up and bring to the vans. And then we go to the bus transfer to our race, which can be from 10 minutes to two and a half hours getting to the start of the race, pre-race stuff, sign on, whatnot, race, get to the bus, pre-race and sign on and all that. That's like, I mean, that's like six hours yeah I mean get like once we get to the arrival at the race is maybe an hour to two hours before the race, then race might be three to four, maybe four and a half hours, mm-hmm. and then like even just after the race, depending on the situation of the race finish, like we could be at the race finish for another hour because parking is a shit show or you a um, yeah, yeah, or that's USADA. another hour. Yep, Um, and if that's the case, then it's like a rush to shower, grab food and recovery, drinks, and just like, yeah, because then the bus is going to leave. But if you have USADA, then one of the cars and the DSs stay behind to drive you. And then, yeah, it's kind of, um, it can be another long transfer to the next hotel, and then massages and dinner and then to bed. And usually, like with stage racing, especially, and um, with this last tour, I mean, our races weren't starting till 1 or 2 p.m. And so, like, getting to bed is honestly kind of stressful because you're like still so wired
6: and mm-hmm. you're just
4: sitting there, like, oh God, I need to sleep, but I'm so wired still. I had a caffeine gel at 4 p.m. and I'm just wide awake, but I have to get up early. And so, yeah, it can be a bit stressful to, you know, get your head out of the stress of racing. I think, like,
5: you know, for the, the mere mortals out there, I, I
4: kind of equate
5: it a bit to, like, if you had to get your whole family to the airport, then you took a flight, I don't know, it's a two-hour flight to Southern California, you get off the plane, and an hour later, you're supposed to go obliterate yourself for three to four hours at your full capacity, and then you have to go, you have to then take a flight home. And then you have to do that eight days in a row. You know, it's one thing to mentally challenge your brain at work. It's another thing to like deal with all that. And then also have to physically exert yourself. And I think that that to me is the part would people like, Oh, I could be a pro cyclist. It's so easy. You just train three hours a day and you go to bed, but it's really yeah. the game time stuff yeah. that I think differentiates people. Yeah.
4: And I think, Oh, totally. And I think also, I mean, like, it's amazing what the staff does to make sure that everything runs smoothly, but like things go wrong occasionally and it's, you have to go with the flow. So I think it's finding that balance of, okay, like, these are the things I really need and these are the things I can control pre race. And if it, something happens, that's kind of out of my control, like be flexible with that and just figure it out. And be able to perform at your best on that given day, but really, I mean, it, it takes a village as a lot of, as the saying goes, but like, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of logistics that have to align and a lot of um, prep for that. But yeah, as an individual, you kind of have to know and be accountable for what you can control and then, you know, go with the flow of whatever, is out of your control.
2: Yeah, I think uh. I think that's the biggest difference between top-level amateur cycling and professional cycling is, you know, more is expected of the riders. But at the same time, you know, when you have that expectation, you have to let the rider just do their job. And their job is to to uh, crush themselves, you know. So yeah, every, anything you could do to make it easier for the rider, you know. And I always felt it, that these like sometimes the bigger races for me at least as a rider were a lot easier than the small races because the small races you're sort of spending for yourself in a way you know getting you know getting your own food or whatever and uh, Mm -hmm. with these big races you get a schedule like hey here's the massage times and here's the dinner time and here's what time we're getting up and here's what time we're leaving you know it makes it easy on the rider just to oh good i'll wake up and just crush myself when we start racing
5: yeah totally I think, like, it's kind of interesting when you describe this kind of stuff about your, you know, the ability to be, to overcome adversity and be flexible and, you know, have a good head and be regimented and all this stuff. Like, it's just a huge list of attributes and, you know, we haven't even gotten into the technical skills needed but then, you know, this kind of outlines how Watts per kilo is just one tiny attribute of what mm-hmm. it takes to be at the level you're at Veronica. So kudos to you. Uh,
1: Thanks. I, have, I have a question. A yeah. Hey, what is the biggest distinctions that you see riding in Europe compared to riding around here? Cause I know you love the Hills. I know you love those rollers. I remember you telling me that, you know, just flat races are not your, your favorite. But what is the the biggest distinction from right around here and in the U.S. compared to riding in Europe?
4: Yeah, I mean, the racing here, the landscape for sure. I mean, roads are significantly more narrow. Um, There will be times when we go from kind of like a major road into like a turn into a road about the size of the Burt Gilman. Um, Mm. So it's like a lot of... Yeah, that sort of thing. And, I mean, the roads are – I mean, you'll have just a random cobbled section thrown into some um, races. Oh, God, yeah, the road <laughs> furniture is uh, pretty –
2: Explain to explain to everybody what road, um, the road furniture too. It. Yeah, I was going to say.
4: Um, so that can be roundabouts. That can be speed bumps. Um, that can be like these little uh, – it's hard to explain, but they're, they're like these – on, these, on a lot of roads, especially in Belgium, you'll have just like this inlet sort of thing from the side. So only one car can pass through at one time. Mm. Um, so like sometimes there wow. will be like some that are slightly off. So you kind of like have to zigzag through it. And so when you're in the Peloton, it's terrifying sometimes because <laughs> you just see a sign that shows like... Uh, it's an indication of the smaller or a narrow road. And so everybody in front of you is yelling small. (laughs) The whole Peloton yells small, but then you don't realize that, you know, it's coming from the right and then suddenly coming from the left. You have to be on your toes and really focus the whole time. And I think that is a big difference too, is that, I mean, obviously you're focused in races in the States, but I think with road furniture here and um, all of the, um, fighting for position pretty constantly, your focus is pretty on, Mm.
6: uh,
4: for the whole time. And I definitely feel that still after races, I'll be physically pretty tired, but I think mentally even more so just from focusing so much, um, during the race. And I mean, uh, within the Peloton as well. I I mean, the, I haven't raced in locally in a bit, but, um, I mean, the field size is mm. significantly larger, for one, um, and then the level is not as—I'm going to say that's sort wrong—disparate. Of I guess mm-hmm. um, the women's peloton itself is incredibly, incredibly strong. There, mm. yes, there are a select few that are just at a completely up, like higher level, mm-hmm. but I think that that is becoming less frequent. I mean, like. In the past, you could see Vluton and Vanderbriggen, yeah, oh, um, yeah. And, and Voss, too. Yeah. But, I mean, those three were just absolutely dominating every single race. Vanderbriggen has since retired, and Vluton has destroyed the last two stage races. But um, there are still races that that Voss and Vluton are participating in, or racing in, And they are being challenged. So, Mm. I think why do you think that is? um, I think there are more uh, women receiving livable salaries so they can focus full time on cycling and training. And so, they, yeah, they can spend more time getting that training experience and therefore getting stronger. And that's what I
5: wanted to say is that, you know, there's a select group. That's reaching them. And I think that that's what's so significant about you, Veronica, is that you're in that group. I mean, when you watch the Tour de France and the, you know, I know it's climbing, right, but whatever, like it is, there's all sizes, you know, so it's not just a climber stage. Um, In that group that finished, I think it was the last, the top nine, or maybe Mm -hmm. it was top eight, I don't remember, but they were all different sizes all different backgrounds, you know, Mm -hmm. everything wasn't just, Oh, only the tiny people can do this, but you set yourself apart as one of the contenders. And that is what's super exciting Mm -hmm. because it wasn't a matter of luck. You know, it wasn't, if you look at your Spanish races, like, they let you go and they might, maybe somebody else wouldn't have, which I still think you did amazing. I'm not discrediting it. But when you get to the Tour de France in the last stages, all of the players are there. So it can't be, oh, the good people weren't there. You know, like the hills were hard. It was not, there's nowhere to hide. You made it because you're good mm-hmm. enough. And I think that that is what the world saw and was like, holy cow, yeah. you know, who is this person? So... I don't know. I just think that we should maybe just take a moment and give her a round of applause here.
2: <laughs> Bravo. On, on that note uh, too, Veronica, what, what, what were you more challenged by? Was it the, was it the competition or was it the course, the courses? Oh, um, like when, when you woke up, what, what was like, Oh shit, this is the course like, or like, Oh shit, these ladies are going to kill me. Like, <laughs> which one was it?
4: I think the first few stages, it was the courses I was just hoping to, um, yeah, be able to fight for position better. Um, And then the later stages, it was uh, the contenders themselves. Yeah, uh, Mm because especially at stage four with the gravel sections, I was pretty uh, anxious about those sections, but was pretty stoked to do so well on that stage.
1: Because you've done a lot of gravel riding with Fount around here. Do you feel that all that training you did with the gravel riding helped you over there?
4: Yeah, I mean, I did gravel a handful of times. Yeah, having done Efrida um, and riding or trying to hang on to uh, rides with Jennifer and David. uh, Oh, yeah. Which national park is that down? Oh, Capital Forest. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty gnarly. Yeah, that definitely helped a lot. um, And I'd been fortunate enough to recon that. Uh, stage um, and had been aware of how gnarly some of those sections were Um, and also yeah I think I'd definitely become uh, more comfortable riding in the gravel and um, some looser gravel at times Um, and there was a part of me that kind of just said you know send it in those sections (laughs) uh, especially knowing who I was around Um, there was a point that I was on boss's wheel and I was like, just hold on to her wheel. She knows (laughs) what lines to take um, and just get through this section um, with her. Um, So, So, yeah. So I
5: have a question for you. (laughs) When you're kind of talking about, like you said, oh, you know, David and Jennifer, we used to go to Capitol Forest and stuff. and, And I just kind of wanted to iterate. Like, I feel like when you were riding with Fount, it was like, when you and I were at Freda or you and I were somewhere or you were Flo or Kathleen or Leah or whatever, it's like, oh, they made this corner. I can do it. Like you'd almost use us as your guide, you know, like, like, oh, I I, I have confidence in myself because I know I can crush Jennifer. And if she made it up the hill, then I can make it up the hill. You know, I mean, you know what I mean? And uh, so I kind of wondered one, like, I feel like then, you know, kind of you're a little birdie and you got booted out of the nest to go on to larger <laughs> fields.
1: Like fly be free.
5: Did you, did you struggle at all with like finding the confidence when you didn't have
4: kind of the people you grew up riding with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Uh especially, I mean, at the beginning of the season, um yeah, just kind of not really knowing what to do and i mean the teammates that i've had in the races have been really helpful um uh, there are select few that were really helpful to me and gave me really good feedback during races and whatnot um but yeah i mean it was definitely a struggle and i think the for me the spanish races um where i performed pretty well the i gained that confidence but i'm still gaining more and um need to work on it a bit more because um as you said i've shown that i can be a contender but i need to kind of still believe to achieve yeah believe (laughs) i like that (laughs) yeah and i think the benefit of the team right now and i mean it it's It's fun, but it's also not so fun. Um, Now I'm, like, kind of known in the Peloton, and (laughs) I have ladies, like, saying my name in the Peloton, which is partially really cool, but now I'm like, ah, shit, I'm not an unknown anymore. You should should just Uh, get tighter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I can't really do things uh, under the radar anymore. Yeah. Um, But I still think that I have the ability to you know, take risks, and um, I don't really have a whole lot to lose right now. So it's fun being in a position where I can take risks and see if they work out or not. Uh, Yeah.
1: So the good news is they know who you are. The bad news is they know who you are.
5: (laughs) 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 When you think of David and myself, and it's like, you know, my two coaches, right? what role does each one of us play for you
1: oh good question yeah
4: oh man oh, it's okay put- you can be uh, honest
2: <laughs> we'll edit it we're out. all friends here <laughs>
4: yeah. well, safe yeah. space yeah david i see as like the person with all of the data and the person i go to for you know feedback on my workouts and um looking ahead at races and talking about potential strategy and also you know how i'm feeling on certain workouts and preparation for those sort of things and jennifer i look to you as still i mean both of you are my mentors for sure but i think jennifer um you took me very much so under your wing um and i still look up to you as one Mm. of my mentors um and go to you if i'm struggling or kind of more like i mean the, com- the more personal stuff and the more like mental game side, I think is when I go to you because I think we've built a relationship mm. that is very personal. And so I can go to you in, um, those ways, but I mean, I definitely feel comfortable talking to David about certain things. Yeah. I think you and I have, uh, built a relationship that is, um, very, very honest um, and raw, in a lot of ways. Uh, wanna, so, that's always
2: Jennifer's wanna, description. It's
4: like you know, people see you on TV and
5: they don't understand kind of that you don't go onto every stage just like, watch out, I'm here, right? right? And I yeah. wondered if you wanted to share any of the conversations from the Tour de France that we, you, me, and David had had prior to stages, you know, and and if any if any of those were like impactful for you or like you know or not but like Mm -hmm. I think those kind of personal tidbits people really like to hear to get to know you you know in a way that's kind of relatable
4: oh for sure I mean yeah like after stage four like you guys were both really proud of me and happy for me but you know you knew that I wanted more than fourth place in that situation um and gave me feedback on, you know, next time, just, like, attack the shit out of those people, and, like, you have <laughs> no at that point, and um, taking that into the next few stages, and, you know, stage seven, I got dropped from the front group, or the main group, and was pretty down on myself about that, because I had initially thought, you know, maybe I can hang on to, like, maybe not Van Vluten, but the group that was behind her, and, was feeling kind of down about not having made that group and then you know I talked to you guys after that stage and felt really disappointed that I hadn't made that group and you know you told me you know you belong there and you can be there and just believe that you can be there and be aggressive and just push that extra little bit to get there and Um, Going up the last climb of the last stage, um, La Planche de Belfie, I was just dangling. I felt like I was dangling most of that time after. um, You caught on three times. You got caught three times and and caught back three times, which
5: was just incredible.
4: flying back each time like, oh, God, I just have to stay with this group. I can do it, blah, blah, blah. And I mean... Yeah, with, like, the last, I think I got to the gravel section of the climb with them and then sort of dropped a bit, but, um, yeah, I mean, that was playing through my head the whole time, just, like, I can be with this group and just believe that I can be with this group, and, you know, I tried to get there and just kept climbing back the whole time, and um, I think that's what made me feel really happy after that stage and yeah maybe I didn't finish ahead of them and I was the last to finish out of that crew but I gave absolutely everything I could in that situation and um yeah I mean I had your guys' words um in my head and
2: there's a, probably a journey song too huh
4: don't
2: <laughs>
5: i i think like i think like from behind the scenes what happens is david and i have a conversation because i'm like pretty emotional and i don't i always try to make sure my emotions have like some sort of validity Mm. because what happens is we get a text from veronica where she's either putting up her like yeah well i just played the cards like that I was dealt, or she's putting up a, like, I'm so bad, I don't belong (laughs) We try to like, okay, what is Veronica playing? Is Veronica playing cool Veronica? And she needs to play more emotion? Or does she need to play like cooler Veronica, more tactical? Right. And so we translate her emotions into a tactic. So Mm. what we were talking about, like stage four, it was like just a tactic that she should have done. Or on stage seven, you know, she said, well, I didn't go with the front group. I thought I could catch back on later, da-da-da. And we're like, how many times have you caught back on in the rocket ride? And she's like, zero. I was like, exactly. And then the next day, she was just like, I'm not going to let them go. And and so kind of translating it over the last two years. And I know it's different, but it's still the same. It's bike racing on like, remember this situation and then use that confidence and apply it that next day, Yeah, it's a you mentality. know, so from like a tactical perspective, we try to like balance her emotions with like rational thoughts. Sometimes I guess mm-hmm.
1: I, I want to interject something here. Cause I, I love what you were saying about how the conversations you have with Veronica and you, Jennifer and you rocket my experience of you is you guys are strong leaders, but, but what makes you unique is your leadership style is empathetic and it's compassionate. And, and especially you, Jennifer, you, you, I mean, you're very direct and you're very, but you care and, and the love and the care that you have for your writers comes through. And I, I've told Rocket this, but sometimes love looks a lot of different ways, right? And you see, y-
5: like I, I, I hurt you because I love you.
1: Well, <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's about hurting. I think it's you truly seeing greatness in somebody and wanting them to see it in themselves and achieve what yes. it is they want to achieve.
5: I think that David and I see that in all the athletes at Fount. Like, I I think we we see their greatness more than they do. And yep. we have lots of conversations, David, from like a data analysis and race strategy, you know, mm. primarily. And on how can we get them to see it and act mm. on it? Mm. David,
2: do you want to interject? No, there? no you, you nailed it. You know, it's like Powerful. we do this all the time, even with people that are not necessarily even like bike racers or something. Yeah, Jennifer and I will talk oh, about like, that yeah, all the time. Of
5: course. I don't care what level you're at. Yeah. You know
2: yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and, and it's something like, you know, over the years we've learned how to teach someone to be a good bike rider. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of things that are hard to teach, you know, the grit and the, you know, the 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 focus, all these things. And when you see that first, when you see these, these characteristics first, you know, as a coach, it gets you excited. Mm -hmm. And, uh, because, you know, the, the easy part is really, you know, doing the workouts and getting good that way. Yeah.
1: It's the mental stuff that you got to overcome.
5: Like, you know, she got on the last stage, she got dropped from the group on the last climb, what, like 10 seconds or something, but everybody was shattered. But Mm. to me, that was her biggest achievement, even though she got fourth in another stage, right? because like one, she was C- courageous enough to go with them, you know? Oh my gosh, I'm with the lions. You know, she didn't wait for somebody else to do it for her. She was a courageous enough to do it. Yeah. And then two, like when she clawed back three times, Yeah. yeah. like yeah. if you've been a bike racer or on a hard training ride, when you start to get dropped, <sighs> I mean, your body is saying alert, alert, Yep. shut down, shut down. You have 10% left of life. Yeah, And the fact that she was able to do and come back three times yeah. to me just is everything she could have gotten. And I couldn't have been more proud of her, you know, as a coach or as a friend or as a mentor, it's like bringing yeah. tears to my eyes, <laughs> thinking about watching that on TV and just how incredibly yeah. proud I was and everybody else. Yeah. You Yeah.
2: Know? Yeah. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to see par, you know, using golf terms, you know, like Par, you know, when you when you right. lie it up in golf, when you're, you know, you're a couple hundred yards from the, from the, the tee and you like, oh, I'm going to set it up for my next shot, you know, yeah, and uh, we'll get par. But somebody that has uh, you know, courage to like, no, I'm going for the green. I'm going for it. you know? Yeah. And maybe you hit it, maybe you don't. But and going it, for it, people, that's what makes people excited.
1: You know? Well, uh, you always said, if you want to get an A, if you want to get an, an A, go for an A plus. Right. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just think, I'll tell you what, what, for me as a fan. And as somebody who's ridden with you on training rides and, and watched you race locally, what was exciting for me, what really moved me wasn't just how how well you did. It was really how you did it and the heart and the passion that you put into it. And anybody that knows you, especially Rock and Jennifer, know you better than anybody. But anybody that knows you know that that's what you're all about. And then you took it to a whole nother level.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. that's the cool thing to do is you know you, you practice to be courageous you know it's like mm. even in the you know watching the the you know that final stage i think you know the winner they didn't show the winner as much as they showed you know your it's true because that was where the interest was that's where the courage was being you know fostered you know you're just hanging on and somebody was attacking somebody's coming off you know mm-hmm. that's the exciting thing that people uh people want to see
1: veronica uses having the right of
2: her life strength to strength
5: it's a human story yeah.
2: yeah i like it when i hear things too like oh she descended so well i'm like oh man yeah if they think she's descending well yeah. now like
1: girl you have no idea all right well there is our uh first part of the conversation with veronica ewers who is currently with EF Tipco svb former founty, always a founte Boys family and we're so proud of you V and we uh, can't wait to bring you the rest of that conversation on the next episode we want to thank Veronica yours uh, for being on today want to thank Jennifer Wheeler Rocket's wife and co-founder of Fount Cycling Guild but most of all we want to thank you for listening because without you Rocket and I are just two guys sitting in a room talking to ourselves and it's fun but it's a lot more fun with you. So until next time, peace, love, cycling, health, music, art, and transformation. I'm Greg, and I'm rocking. This is We Ride Y Radio. I love the way you
7: speaking I- Speak until it feels just right.
0: Ride Y Radio. Thank you for riding with us.